I think we all can agree that life is hard and it hits us in the roughest of ways, but somehow we keep getting up and moving forward. How do we do that? Have you ever lost a loved one or got diagnosed with something so gnarly? Got your heart broken? Just had so many rough things happen. How do we get up? How do we look for the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, you know what? We're going to find out together. We're going to go looking for it. This podcast, In Search of Hope, with me, Ugo, we'll be together on this journey. And if all else fails, we'll have each other. In Search of Hope podcast. Let's do it. Hey, friends. It's good to talk to you. It is really good to talk to you and connect because now we're seeing that connection is everything, right? Isolation isn't good for the soul. Isolation has never been good for the soul. So connecting and talking and vibing like we do is so good. Now, if you if you kind of hear me, you know, well, you would hear me. But if you, you notice, like, maybe I sound like a wrestler or have a wrestler kind of cadence. It's because I've been listening to so many wrestling podcasts. So many. To the point where it's kind of just like, all right, I need a break. But then I take more. But I've always been a wrestling nerd. But that's besides the point. I do want to talk to you about something specific today. But before we get into that, let's just check in with each other. How you doing, man? Man, this thing. First of all, if you're listening to the podcast and you're able to listen to it and you're in relatively good health, thank God for that, man. I'm very happy to hear that. If you're relatively good health, if you're fighting through and you've gotten infected and you're, you're pushing through, you know, keep, keep moving. Well, keep moving by, you know, just do your time. Um, obviously it has not been, it's been much harder on a lot of people. Um, but the good news is the good news, the good news is that we're coming down off the peak. We've seen a lot more discharges, COVID discharges. We see a lot more people getting better. There is, I mean, whether too early or not, in New York, I definitely see there's more traffic in the street. So there is a return. I'm not going to say normalcy because what's normal at this point? But things are changing. Things are getting better. They are getting better. If you haven't heard any good news regarding COVID, understand that things are getting better. Hopefully, they continue to trend that way. But, you know, when people start seeing things get better, they kind of get a little more laxed. And, you know, hopefully we don't see a second surge, man. I really hope we don't. Um, But hope. Hope is free. Hope is vital. Hope lives here. So we're going to hope. We're going to keep hoping. We're going to not give up. Uh, we're going to continue to be smart 
if even if they start opening up things a little too early, I don't know where what part of the country you live in, but be smart about it. Understand that just because the numbers are going down, that does not mean that it does not exist and you still can get sick. So just be smart with your movements. If you don't have to go to a movie theater, if they open up a movie theater by you, don't go. You know, um, if you can work out at home and they open up your gym, maybe work out at home for a little bit more. Maybe continue to go to the grocery store if you can at off-peak hours. So keep being smart. Keep protecting yourself. Washing your hands. You know the works. You know, wear your mask. Wear your mask. It makes a big difference. I mean, if you're feeling symptomatic and you must go out, wear your mask. Wear your mask in general because you could be asymptomatic and breathing by somebody and infect them. So it's important that you do wear your mask to protect other people. Things are important. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to get into There's a lot of conspiracy theories going around and this and that. I ain't going to get into all that. We're not doing that. We also know that there are a lot of people who've lost loved ones. Bro, it's bad. You know, while we recognize that things are getting better, we still understand that, yes, things are getting better in general, but... Life isn't lived in the general sense. Individuals have these specific experiences. So for everybody, it's not getting better. Understand what I'm saying? Like I can say, yeah, the numbers are going down. But what about that person that's being admitted today? What about that person who still can't breathe? What about that person who's getting ready to be taken off a ventilator? Take their last breath. You see what I'm saying? So it's good to have, yo, we, we rejoice and we're happy that things are getting better. Well, we still understand the gravity that is still real. Still real. Last week was real bad for our clinic. Man. And that's what I want to kind of talk about. Not that things are bad for our clinic. No, I want to talk about this idea of overuse. As my sister said, my dad would call it overuse. Which can kind of be aligned with burnout. See, the thing about see nursing burnout and burnout in healthcare is, is a major thing. It's a major thing. And it was normally before COVID. And now... Man, the levels of burnout. Oh, we're going to skyrocket, if not already. So what is burnout? Well, let's go to nursing.org. It says nurse burnout is a physical, mental and emotional state caused by chronic overwork and a sustained lack of job fulfillment and support. Common burnout symptoms may include physical or emotional exhaustion job-related cynicism, and in a low sense of personal accomplishment. Rather than improving on its own, untreated burnout may lead to clinical depression and unaddressed symptoms compounded over time. Ooh. That's real. Then what are, what are some of these signs of nursing burnout? What, irritability? 
frequent calling in sick, intolerance to change, exhaustion, a checked out mentality. Boy, man, these, as you, as you go over them, you realize these aren't really specific to just nursing. I mean, in this sense, yes, but this is something that we all feel. And why am I, why am I bringing up all this? Well, you know, I saw this post on social media that nurses and healthcare workers were, were posting. And it looked really good. The heart behind it seemed amazing. But the more I looked at it, something didn't, I was uncomfortable for some reason. I mean, okay, so what's the post? What's the post, Ugo? That's you're probably asking. Ugo, what is the post that you're talking about? Well, let's read it. I saw one of my friends, I saw a couple friends posting it and I just screenshotted it and just, you know. Okay, all right, it starts off with, so what people were doing to individualize it, if that's a word, is that they would say, I'm a registered nurse, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a respiratory therapist, or I'm a this or that, at such and such place in this state. For purposes of this conversation, in this episode, I'm speaking as a nurse. Why? Because I'm a nurse, that's what I know. So it would start off the post with, I am, say I'm a registered nurse at such and such hospital in New York City. Then it starts off, if you have a family member or a loved one who is a patient that you are not able to see, I would love to stop by to visit them before my shift starts or after my shift ends. I cannot offer medical updates or communicate with the medical team involved in their care, but I can offer a hand to hold and a friendly face. I can also FaceTime family members to say hello or to see their loved ones during this difficult time. Visitation is suspended right now and nobody should ever feel alone when they are sick or hospitalized. I can play music for them, hold their hand, bring them cards with well wishes or FaceTime their loved ones. That's real. That's real. Could appreciate that. But then I thought, man, that seems good, but the logistics of that. Well, we understand that visitation issues have been utterly, utterly heartbreaking because of risk of infections. And since this post kind of came out, there have been some changes in some of the visitation rules from, from what I've seen with certain hospitals. At first, they'll just say nobody, uh, unless you, you know, um, were a pediatric patient or a patient that was um, uh, developmentally challenged or maybe an elderly patient who couldn't navigate things by themselves. Generally speaking, but for other people, it was hard core no. But you can understand why. You're trying to limit the risk of infection here. I get it. Like during a pandemic, there are gonna be a lot of heartbreaking things that are happening. Not saying I I'm not saying whether I'm for or I'm just saying, yeah, it understand the heartbreak, right? I couldn't imagine not being able to go visit my dad. 
when he was sick. Having him feel, I couldn't imagine that, right? So, this post is saying the nurse will go, was saying I will volunteer as a nurse to go before my shift or after my shift uh, to go visit the said, said family member. And um, I wonder why it struck me. I was wondering, why did this sit, didn't sit well with me? Well, it's because I knew when I saw the first nurse die from COVID-19, it would hit my heart in such a rough way. And when that person did pass away, it was a nurse from um, uh, a sister hospital. Well, under the same umbrella. It was a nurse manager. Uh, they originally said in the paper he was a nurse manager for the ER, but it seemed like he was a nurse manager uh, on an inpatient unit. I could be wrong. He passed away, and it was like, that was rough. And then you start seeing other posts from around the country, other nurses, other doctors, and other healthcare professionals is getting really, really sick from this. Like, why? What's what is going on? Well, turns out viral load and exposure have a lot to do with the severity of the sickness. So if you're just exposed to a lot of it, a lot of COVID, a lot of the virus could put you in a real bad way. So I'm thinking, man, I know it's great that nurses may be able to go visit, but should they be? Should they be the ones to do that after their shift, before their shift? Because what we also need to understand is that while there is like this whole idea of heroes, nursing and health professionals are heroes and that, yes, yes. But when you put them in, when you put that kind of terminology and label somebody, you sometimes start to divorce them from their humanity. Yes, yes, what, what that person is doing is heroic. But when we start labeling them as a hero, then heroes normally risk their lives for this kind of thing. Heroes sign up for this. Heroes get dressed and put on the mask, put on the cape, and go do that thing. But this is a person, right? This is a mom. This is a father, this is a husband, this is a wife, this is a brother, this is a sister. And while it's good this, you know, for them to offer to do this extra step of love, I was thinking, I mean, obviously, if someone wants to do that, obviously you can do what you want. But I think the thing that bothered me was that I just didn't want to see more nurses succumbing to this thing. Because it bothers me. Because it hurts my heart. It just hurts. Because I know as a nurse, we try our best to do whatever we can for our patients. And we will continue to go above and beyond as much as we can. But boy, nursing takes a lot out of you. Boy, nursing injuries are real. The, 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 the back injuries, knees, ankles, elbows, Hypertension, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, stress, the, the, the levels of stress. Now imagine if you're working night shift. Oh my God. Do you know night shift work is considered a carcinogen now? 
You see that? So when I hear about nurses doing more outside of their own shift, I'm like, wait, maybe, maybe there's a way we could have someone else do that. And it's not to sound like I'm saying to be unloving or not committed to the job. No, no, because I, I, I want them to be committed to their job, right? Check this out. Because say that nurse who's done with their grueling shift goes and does a little extra with this extra bit of kindness. Bro, I need that. We thinking about resources. We need that nurse to be recovering. We need that nurse to get home. You need to get home so you can recover. Because you got to be here Three days in a row, four days in a row. I don't know what your I don't know what your schedule is like, but you're gonna need to be here, and you, you're <laughs> you need to be recovering. But the thing about it, when you label somebody hero, it's like, well, you can keep putting things on them. You keep putting things on them, and then when they break, you can't just replace a nurse. Not right now. You can't just re we already struggle being short staffed. You can't. Just replace a nurse. So when they go down, who suffers? More patients. The whole system. We all suffer when a nurse goes down. So I'm looking at that like, nah, nah, I get it. Because I was even thinking about it. I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. I like this. I like this idea of going above and beyond and really showing love. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> Cause that's my personality. Why? Cause we're nurses. That's what that's what we do. And then my sister said, <laughs> she said, uh, she used a term that my dad would that would use. And she said overuse. And then she said, uh, he would say, "Have you talked to your sister lately?" Because then my dad would always ask us separately, "Have you talked to your brother lately?" Or "Have you talked to your sister lately?" And like I could be coming in the house. On the phone with my sister, my dad would say, have you talked to your sister lately? Because he knew he, the, the value of keeping his kids connected. There's extreme value in that. Because in this world, we can get so distracted. And we can do all these other things and forget about our families. So while I'm, so say I finish a shift, right? Well, yo, my sister... She was sick. My sister had it. And I, you know, so I spent time and effort checking in on my sister remotely and taking care of whatever she had to, you know, whatever she needed. And thank God we had, you know, there's healthcare. It's like a family business for us. I have another cousin whose name is Ugo, who's awesome, who's a, I think a GI doctor, and he's awesome. Uh, so we were both taking care of my sister remotely. And um, it kind of it kind of reminded me that while we give everything to our patients while we're there, our families still need us. Not even even more. Our families never stop needing us. And it's like we have to pace ourselves because I see what happens on the other end of this. 
also. So I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying we need to be wise with how we are working our healthcare professionals or the expectations or the, the aura that we put on them, hero, or maybe what they're doing is heroic. Don't divorce them from their humanity. It's easy to say when that hero, nah, is careful, careful about those labels. Cause then it, nah, 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 nah. Like I remember I said, I don't, I don't want to be a hero. I want to be a husband. I'm trying to get married. I'm not looking to be a martyr. I mean, obviously though, we will do what we do for our patients and, and because we're committed to what we believe in this thing. We believe in nursing. So that's what we're doing. And we will do that because that's what we do. It just is what it is. <laughs> furthermore, <laughs> furthermore, so you take the idea of um, going to someone's uh, going to someone's room, right? And now here's here's the other here's the legal kicker of this, right? So, say you put this post you you put this post on social media, right? And then someone says, "I want you to go visit such and such." Well, you don't know if that's the healthcare proxy. You don't know what you're walking into. And it could be a mess. And your and our nursing license is a very important thing. And you don't want to do anything to put yourself in jeopardy. You don't you don't walk into a situation you don't know about because family dynamics, especially during I don't say especially during pandemics, yes, but especially in ICUs and critical situations, oh, they get interesting. They get murky. They get weird and you don't want to go stepping into something you're blind to. And I'll give you an example with no names. So, you know, I saw that post, you know, and uh, my homie had uh, put up a, a, a post on like uh, on like social media. It was like, does anybody have connections at X hospital? Because um, someone he knew hadn't been in touch with a family member in over a week. And they got admitted for COVID. And it was like, they just wanted to know what's going on. And you hear enough horror stories about people not knowing what's going on with family members and loved ones. It just, like, it can get, it can get messy. And I wouldn't, I would hate to sit there not knowing if a family member is, you know, alive or not. Though that would be a stretch to have nobody contact you. Anyway, so they said they hadn't they hadn't been in contact with a family member who's been in there for over a week, right? This, and you know, does anybody have connections at this hospital? See if we can locate this patient. I was like, you know what? I was inspired by that post. I seen it. I was like, All right, let me look into this. Let me look into this. I I asked around. I didn't get any hit leads about you know any of my homies having uh connections there. I did, I did, I did a, a, I did a rotation there before the, but I don't think I, anyway, I didn't have any connections. So I was like, you know what, man? I asked the guy, I was like, you know, give me, give me the, the, the patient's name and uh, the person's name and date of birth, right? 
So you know I'm just going to call. Just as a regular guy. Not as a nurse, not as a nothing. Just a regular guy. I'm going to call. Because, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you call and, you know, you get in contact with a, you know, you speak to a nurse and nurse or, you know, another healthcare provider where it could be like, I mean, you probably just they're showing some professional courtesy and like, okay, such and such is, you know, okay, or whatever. Um, so I was like, I bet. So I called. I easily, very easily got transferred to the unit in which the patient was on. I was like, wait, what? This wasn't hard at all. And I'm like, okay, you know what you want? <laughs> you know, it's like in the movies where you start walking to a room or like this building and this is like, this is fishy. It's like, <laughs> like something's just like off. <laughs> and you start thinking, you got a couple of options here. You can turn around and back out or, you know, get sucked into this whatever is going on in here. And I'm like, something adding up here. So I'm about to start backing out, right? And the person on the phone is like, do you want to speak to the doctor? I was like, no, I no, I, I'm not, I don't want any medical advice. I just need to know where this person is so I can say to my guy, this person is in such and such location, call this number. I'm out of here. The doctor gets on the phone with me. I'm like, oh, he, I'm not involved. <laughs> I'm not, I'm like, I said, listen. I said, I'm just calling on behalf of a friend who's trying to locate their such and such because they hadn't heard anything in a week. That's it. And he said, doctor said, well, that's crazy. That's strange because I talked to their son. I talked to the daughter twice today and yesterday. And last night they were FaceTiming. I, was, I said, uh, I'm sorry, uh, excuse me? Yeah. Last time they were fit. Last night they were FaceTiming. Are you kidding me? That's a point in the movie where you realize you've walked into a trap. <laughs> the, the door closes behind you, and you know, gas starts coming out from sleeping gas starts coming out from the <laughs> from like the pipes overhead. And I'm sitting there, it's like, you see that? I, there could just be some big old mix-up, or that's the nonsense. That, that's no, that's the that's the murkiness of this whole thing. You don't know what you're walking into. I had no issue locating someone as just a regular person calling in. I didn't navigate the system because I had some foreknowledge. And, and it's like, you don't know. Now, I'm not going to make any judgment calls on what's going on over there. I don't know. I'm not going further into this room. I'm backing up. I'm backing up. I don't know nothing. I said, thank you. I'm out of here. Want no parts of whatever's going on there. And that, that really stuck. That showed me like these type of social media posts and, and initiatives are great. But when you get to certain nitty gritties of it, it could be dangerous for the nurse because they don't know what they're walking into, what dynamics, what situation, 
You gotta be careful. What and do do they need to be out here doing this? No. Maybe maybe go recover. Maybe maybe go home because because the nurses who are there. Maybe we have to trust that they will be what that patient needs in that moment. Because you as another nurse, you essentially have to relieve that nurse when you come back. So essentially we're, we're relying on each other to recover. We are relying on each other to recover and be smart and protect yourself so you can help me protect myself. Like we underestimate how important sleep and rest is. Bro, your immune system is what's gonna fight this thing. You can't, I hate, I don't tell, I try not to tell anybody what to do. So, so I don't wanna say things like you can't, or you don't, but I said like I'm talking to some of some of my, you know, my nursing brothers and sisters. I'm like, yo, please, you have to protect yourself. Or my healthcare brother, you gotta protect yourself. It's the same way. <laughs> Isaac Gordon, Doctor MMA, Emergency MD. That's my man. That's my man. That's my man, Hunter Grant. This guy harasses me. <laughs> To make sure I'm protecting myself against COVID. He is harassing me. Why? Because he loves me. And he doesn't want anything to happen to me. And when my dad was on his deathbed, Isaac went to go visit my dad. You see that? You see that? Ironic, right? Isaac went to go visit my dad and he promised my dad he would look after me. Isaac has obviously, even before making that promise, he has lived up to that promise to my father, even before he made it. And you think in that situation, if we're going to, on our time off, go visit someone, yo, a lot of our friends that we know directly have people suffering. So maybe know the person so you can know the situation you're walking into if you're going to do that. Man, I love, man, uh, it touched my heart that Isaac did that. It does touch your heart. But if you want health professionals to do that for you, put them in a situation where they're gonna, where they'll be safe too, where their license will be safe, where they're, they don't walk into a weird situation. You know, it's funny, as a, as a course of this podcast has just progressed, this last portion has once again began to alter my opinion of this situation. It was the idea of Isaac going to visit my dad, which just now made me look at this uh, that initiative with uh, kinder eyes again, but still with the reality. See, Isaac was going to visit his best friend's dad. You know, he's looking out for his friends and family. Because when, when the pandemics hit, we, as healthcare workers, we're, 
we're we're going hard for strangers, but don't forget your family needs you too. It's not a selfish thing. It's not a selfish thing to remember to take care of your family as well. <laughs> so what's the point of all this? We've come full circle. Understanding that burnout is real, not just for nurses, for people. So rest and recovery because the emotional tolls that are being that that this pandemic is having are next level. In the next episodes, we're going to you know continue to tackle those things. The hopelessness, the depression, the, all these things are if you ain't think this was a huh, huh. we'll talk about triggers you want to talk about triggers, bro? We are living through one of the hugest triggers. Man, the suicide rate in Queens alone has doubled from last year. It's doubled. Within the, months, the month of the, pa the pandemic and the shutdown, it's doubled. It's no joke. <laughs> the, the, the healthcare workers I know that's on Ativan now or Ambien... <laughs> Bro, this ain't, this ain't a game. What is happening to people's mental and emotional health? So we got to take it very seriously. And uh, what I normally do, I was very fortunate to have a conversation with Drew. Shouts out to Drew on... Um, I don't know if it was, it's probably, it's probably recorded too in an episode. He asked me, when I wasn't doing well, he asked me, are you doing the things you love? And I had to think and start going down my checklist. And that's kind of like me putting that stop and checking out myself real quick. Okay, well, are you working out? Are you praying? Are you meditating? Are you playing the guitar? Are you talking to people you love? Quit checklist. Are you doing those things? If no, and you're feeling bad, okay. Let's see how we can start revisiting them and reworking them into your process. It's important. It's very important. You are important. Without you, the world just ain't the same. So please, please, please take care of yourself. Watch what you watch. Sometimes put the, get rid enough news, enough social media, and do something for yourself. Reach out to someone. Yeah, do something kind. Do something kind for someone. That's my challenge to you. I don't care where you are, what you're doing, how you feel. Do something kind for somebody. Whether it's a text, whether it's a call, whether it's a care package, whether it's a meal, whether it's just a... Don't Facebook poke anybody, because that's weird. Anyway, you hold tight. You keep fighting. And let's meet up again. Same place. Not the same time. 
because I don't know when I'm going to release the next episode. But same place. Let's meet up again in Search of Hope, the podcast. I'll see you. Peace. For your own.